We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to this extremely special, very exciting mock draft, Debbie mock draft. I am joined by Travis May from the C2C podcast and Matt Wispay, our Rotoviz fantasy football Debbie DFS podcast. <laughs> You're looking at me very strange. I don't have it written up in front of me and I always forget what it's called because I only wrote of his college fa- college fantasy podcast. Yeah, but we don't do that much fantasy. We do so much more sports betting. So I just feel like it's ill named. Anyway, that's not the point. I'm joined by these two wizards to go through some Debbie stuff. I'm excited to be doing this. Uh, we're dropping this on both feeds. So um, go ahead and listen to it on both because you never know. There might be some hidden gems in there, like uh, me not editing out some of Matt's cursing. Um, but but <laughs> we'll see where all that goes. Travis, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm I'm in the middle of a college to Canton draft, campus to Canton league draft right now, and so it's uh, it's been really fun. Um, just to kind of get a fresh look at where people are actually being valued. Because I mean, I, during the long off season. Uh, for college football, like there's so much news that changes everything. The transfer portal, right? Uh, the incoming freshman class, uh, like, well, is this freshman actually random early, coaching moves? Like enrollee, uh, yeah. There's so many things to break down. Uh, news is breaking left and right after spring games right now, and so it's just a fun time because there's always you know a, a flavor of the week, a flavor of the day, a player here and there, and they'll go earlier than I thought they would, and. That lets some actually good players drop to me in drafts. And so, yeah, I am drafting college uh, fantasy football players in uh, in April. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to point this. out that I think it's a very funny message that we got. And it was from Travis earlier today. Uh, I think it just said, dang, 
Spencer Rattler went two picks before me. And that should just tell you how that league is. So that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that was like round eight or nine, by the way. So that's nuts. Yeah. Either way, I, I'm surprised he lasted that long. He's still got value in college and Absolutely. probably Devi. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, we were talking before we hit record just uh, how we are very much into these C2C leagues as well as Devi, of course. I know we are doing a Devi mock draft. I, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts just real quick, Matthew. Ooh, what, what are you drinking over there? It looks like an Oreo Christmas drink. It's not at all. It's called Oops All Berries. Oh. And it's a sour beer. All right. Is it any good? It tastes like berries. There you go. <laughs> so, it's so, so, yes, it's very good. Um, I was just curious, before I was distracted by your delicious berry drink, um, just thinking about Devi Leagues and just kind of how they are we were talking about how like a few years ago dynasty started getting a lot of um attention and, and picking up a lot of mainstream um kind of interest how far do you think we are from devi being something that people are talking about more frequently uh, you're hearing about it more often and maybe even some casual leagues start adopting that um so when's matthew barry going to start talking about it I mean, I think that's sort of the the trigger for when when do when do like styles of leagues become more popularized? It's PPR got, became the standard when Matthew Barry started telling you that it was the best style of league. When did um, Superflex start getting a push? When ESPN started telling you that hey, there's this Superflex thing, and we're going to start putting out rankings for it, and then all of a sudden they started dropping this dynasty content, and that's really the trigger is when do they do it? I'll be honest, I still think we're like two to three years away because I think with each iteration, it's going to have a longer window on how long it takes people to to make the jump. So like Dynasty, people are now having to consider like rookies are real people that I can't just ignore. <laughs> um, and maybe I have to look at them as a prospect and like care about them for more than like one season or something like that. Um, so then now when you're talking about with Devi Leagues, you're you realistically might have to draft a freshman. Like if you wanted to get DJ Wangalale, when you had to take him at like in the first round when he was an incoming freshman. And, and now, now you might all regret of a sudden that, that picks <laughs> now that pick sucks. Like it's yeah. like it's it's this weird place where you have to like really val or I guess I'll use that one that's uh higher or more fun. Like Travion Henderson last year was going in the second round of mm-hmm. like non-Devi depleted drafts. Um, and to be, it was like two Oh one and you had to get him as a true freshman. And to be honest, we didn't think he was going to like start the beginning of the year. If you were watching spring reports, he wasn't Mayan Williams was the starter at a camp. Everyone was telling you with glowing reports that Mayan Williams was a starter and blah, blah, blah. So I think you're, uh, it's harder. It's a really difficult audience to bring in because now you're not just trying to reach the person who watches the NFL on Sunday, because now you're telling them like, Hey, you know, that college game that you think is the minor leagues and isn't very good. Um, which I only say, I, we know, obviously know college is the more fun game to watch, but there are people who genuinely believe that who think college isn't, isn't fun. The playing talent is as good and blah, blah, blah. Why would I care? It's just, you have to try and get more and more people to embrace that more football mentality. And I think that we're, it, it's a hard ask. So I still think we're, I think we're three years kind of at a minimum before really Devi pops off with like the next where it becomes, if I say Devi league, you're, you're not looking at me like I'm a crazy person if I say it to you and obviously not you guys, but like most, I would say most casual yeah. 
fantasy football players, if you say dynasty to them, they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. I've, I, I think I'm thinking I might try one of those out. Yeah. Um, like, oh, yeah, we with, have that. Yeah. We have a keeper league they think it's, you know, they think that's yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's where it's like, it's this weird thing because if I, like if I were to go to my league that it was, has been a keeper league for 10 years, if I were to tell them like, Hey, now keep a hundred percent of your roster year over year. And you just take now the only way you're really updating it is trades, add waiver wire and rookie draft. And that's it. There is no redraft each year. And I, they'd look at me like it was insane. So I think that's it's it's hard. Every time you do this, it's really hard because you have to get people to embrace m- more, quote unquote, analysis. Yeah. And I think and I, with, I think it's calf, don't you, Matt? Like, I think like, campus to Kenton formats are never going to be normal, like no. ever. Absolutely like, not. A hundred years from now, never. Like no, like <laughs> like it's like it's fun. I mean, there's going to be college a niche, fantasy, like a niche. Whatever. I think college fantasy could pop. Yeah, college fantasy could. It's it, just there's no good place to play it, and there's not very much content out there. Agreed. Um, and I've been like in talks with various sites, like, hey, I'd love to do this and that, and and kind of the 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 posture is right now. It's like there's just not really enough demand for it. But it's like chicken. It's this odd chicken and egg situation, right? Because there, right. there, I think would be a ton of people more interested if there was an easier place to play. If they could just, you know, have it on their ESPN app, or have it on their Yahoo app, or have it on Sleeper, or you know, something that was very intuitive, something they already have on their phone to play their other leagues. But um, yeah, I think co- like normal college fantasy, like focus on like just the SEC. Or just the power yep. five, like that, like something more digestible than 130 plus FBS teams. <laughs> I think that could definitely pop. But what are we at? Like 132 now? Yeah, 133. I think incoming. So, yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's impossible for a normal human being, uh, and we are not that, <laughs> to uh, right. ingest and and process and do anything with that information. Yeah, I do think that like. DFS, like with DraftKings and FanDuel, I think that will get the college game going a lot more as that becomes legalized in more states. Um, so I, I think people will be just putting their lineups in. Um, and I think we'll see that element kind of take off a little bit more. But as far as like traditional um, year-long fantasy for college, that's probably still a while off too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Which okay. is a bummer because college is awesome. It is. And, and yeah. I mean – Debbie leagues are awesome. And that's why we're having a mock draft for the, that today, because it's a lot of transition. Fun just, yeah. I mean, we're just trying to predict the future and it adds one more fun layer. Uh, we're only going to draft what, like two rounds today, probably like something like that. Yeah. 30, 30, 30 rounds, maybe 40. Let's <laughs> we'll yeah. just keep it at two. We'll, we'll, you know, later in the summer, we'll, we'll add maybe a third round. How about that? Mix it up, but just Ooh. keep it simple. Um, and I think it's, it's a lot easier than people realize to just add, Hey, mm-hmm. let's add two rounds of players have two two of our favorite players from our teams in the SEC or whatever uh, on the roster. And I think that that's fun because you can already get your guys just one year ahead of time. So, yeah. Yeah, and it can still make the draft process. Like, if you're already in a dynasty league, adding this isn't that big of a deal. Like, no. you still get to enjoy your rookie draft. There's all the, there's every year, even the deepest league, there's a few guys like a Kenneth Walker or a Kenny Pickett, that pop that you get to, um, that you get to draft uh, because they're not already rostered. All right, let's get into the rules. Matt, you're giving me crazy eyes over there. I don't know. If- Looking at my ranks. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in shock and all. Um, yeah. yeah. Just look over, hit the tab with my ranks on it, and it will uh, it'll be a lot easier to di- digest as there's nothing done. Um, so we are doing a super flex 
tight end premium Debbie draft. We're going two rounds. Um, we are going to implement two vetoes per person. Um, and Matthew, with with all that, if if I didn't forget anything, I, I believe you're on the clock. So I asked for the one on one before this. I sort of hate the one on one. Like I, <laughs> I think it's a good spot because I think that you're getting you. There are premium players right now, which is great. There are, there are truly elite players that you can grab. But I'm sitting here looking at like four or five elite players, and I'm torn between: do I take the safest? Or do I take the highest upside? Um, and I think I'm going to go middle ground, and I'm going to take a player that has Hall of Fame at his position upside with proven production, and I'm going to go Bijan Robinson. Um, he sounds super tech, confident back in that pick, by the way. Super confident. I, it's it's <laughs> I, it, it's not that I dislike Bijan Robinson. It's that I think that there is an argument to be made for another running back, two quarterbacks, and an, and a wide receiver. I think with those five, you can make a strong case for any of five players at that spot. Bijan was probably top. He was probably the number two running backs in Debbie in Debbie drafts last year. And he did nothing last year to really devalue himself, which is to be honest, kind of difficult as a running back. I think most running backs that start off very high tend to slip in value as the year goes on. And Bijan didn't have any of that. I think we were still talking about a super high um, pedigree back and he's playing in a spot where he's probably going to get, I mean, I, I would be shocked if Bijan Robinson is not taken before the 64th pick next year. And for a running back, that's all you can ask. And I mean, that almost ensures that he's going to see the field fairly early in his career. And I, I just, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with him as a prospect. It's just a matter of deciding between which flavor of ice cream you want at the top. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Bijan Robinson. I'm going to go with my burnt orange, orange sherbet. Um, ice cream and that's not ice cream, but screw you. Um, <laughs> and I'll take, uh, I'll take Bijan. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think just looking at it as you, as you were talking, I, I think I would like to pick number four overall, <laughs> you know, like uh, to your point, there's a, a lot of really great options um, at the top. The guy I'm going with is a, a former track and field star running the hundred meters in uh sub 11. Um, I'm going to go with one Trevion Henderson running back Ohio state um, dude balled out last year. Um, as, um, as you talked about earlier, Matt, I just think uh, seeing his involvement, not only running the ball, but seeing how just explosive and dynamic he was in that passing game really just sets him up to be an absolutely dominant uh, running back at every level. And uh, Trevion Henderson, I'm going to have to wait an extra year or so than some of these other backs that we're looking at. But to me, it's worth the wait. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with him at the at the number two. All and right. yes, this uh, is super flex, even though we've yeah. skipped over that position. Yeah, but. I mean, and for those of you who are like thoroughly confused now, like what are these guys even doing? We're drafting future NFL stars, Debbie Draft, uh, to be on our future fantasy football rosters. 
and we can challenge each other's picks if we think we are wrong or somebody's wrong and veto. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to do that just yet. Uh, but I am surprised that uh, B. John Robinson and Travion Henderson uh, both went and no quarterbacks actually came off the board in the top two picks in a super flex format where you can start uh, two quarterbacks. In fact, in one, in one of my leagues, my uh, college Decanton leagues, we actually can start up to three quarterbacks uh, on the college side, which makes it kind of crazy. Love but this is, this is not that format. But, the, you know, on the NFL side, you can start two. Uh, so I, I am going to go with a guy that I think has everybody the upside and safety built into his profile and his stature uh, to project both first round NFL draft capital and NFL draft success. Uh, going to have a killer season. I, I believe he's a Heisman favorite. Right now, C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. Um, one of the best bets, I guess, uh, according to Vegas, to be uh, the Heisman, this, Heisman, Heisman winner this year. Even though he's losing uh, Chris Olave, losing Garrett Wilson, uh, he still has Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had a billion yards in that Rose Bowl game. He still has Marvin Harrison Jr. He still has Emeka Ibuka. He still has so many good wide receivers to throw the ball. Plus, Trevion Henderson out of the backfield to help him uh, and propel his NFL draft stock even higher. He's, he's basically a lock for first round NFL draft capital next spring at this point, in my opinion. So anybody going to try to veto CJ Stroud right here? Uh, Cause I try to, I, I dare you. No, there's no, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the other quarterback that you could have taken in this spot. Um, Devil's advocate. If you're um, a person who wants to, uh, who is not as a as I guess familiar with Devi, you might sit there and scream, Well, why aren't you taking he beat him out for the Heisman? He this is the Heisman trophy winner you're passing up on. I'm gonna continue to not say his name because it's a pick, but you're passing up on uh him for CJ Stroud, whose team had two losses and he threw two picks against Nebraska, blah blah blah. CJ Stroud really does check all the boxes. He was super accurate. Um, and you can say what you want about how great his receiving weapons are. And yes, they are in fact spectacular, but he threw them open in a lot of spots and say what you will about the, uh, the Rose ball and how good Smith and Jigba is. Um, I think that you, there's a really strong case to be made that Stroud's passing is part of the reason why Smith and Jigba was able to get a lot of those yard after catch um, type of plays. So I think we're going to see a fair bit of development out of him. I don't think you're going to see the, the iffy games that you kind of saw early on in the season with Stroud. Um, he's coming into the year, or I say that now. Right now, he's fully healthy. Um, and at the beginning of the year, he wasn't last year. So Stroud is my QB1, um, so I'm not going to argue this pick here. Um, yeah, and every, every I'm sort every of annoyed Stefan took. Yeah. I just analytically, like just from a film perspective, I mean, he's, he's, he's super safe from like a – uh, safer from a like size and stature standpoint than the other guy that we keep alluding to as well. Like he, and he is like, like six, three two, 20 ish already. Like he's filling out um, and he has mobility. Hasn't really had to show that off yet, but I think he does this year has a top 10 analytical profile uh, in like the last, he's already had a pro already. day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's already he's had a pro day he, throwing. I mean, it's crazy. Like the guy, he's going to be a first round pick. So yeah. Anyway, let's move on. And Matt, I, I think you're going to pick the guy that we're talking about. Unless you, you know, you know what? It, it sucks because this, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm doing this because of the fact that I want to be on, intellectually honest with how a draft would go. 
if it were me on the clock, I would not take this person. But nope, I believe, then, nope. take, and that take is a the hard person pick. That you would take. No. Take the person that you would take no. right here. Because I don't want you to veto it and for... Fuck you. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm taking it. He's the wide receiver one. He's been the wide receiver one in his class since he joined it. It didn't matter that he wasn't even the top wide receiver prospect in his class based on 24-7 composite. Jackson Smith and Jigba, his first play at Ohio State was the most insane catch you will ever see because it was so good that the refs just ruled it. Oh, they were like, he's out of bounds because there's no possible way he could have caught that. Nope. Caught it because he's that insane. Jackson Smith and Jigba had 1,600 yards despite playing with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson on the same team. They're both going to go first round this year, yet Smith and Jigba is the best one of the bunch. I'm taking him because this is what I would pick. Stefan or Travis, can you veto it so then I have to like hear Stefan take your side? Uh. I'm not no. going to veto it. Here's the thing. I'm not going to veto it because, because he is the safest pick of any player in college football to be good. Yeah, I, I think so. I thought, well, he's up there anyway. Um, but I think he's probably at this point, the safest pick to be an early first round mm-hmm. uh, selection at the wide receiver position. Um, he, he's slated to be a, a target hog in one of the most high powered you know, NFL laden uh, prospect offense uh, in the country, like one of them anyway, like with, with, uh, with CJ Stroud and man, it, it's going to be fantastic. It's three Ohio state players in a row. So that's a little weird and gross uh, being the boiler maker that I am, but uh, I'm not going to veto it. I'm not going to do it because I think he's in this tier. I think you could make an argument. I, I've not seen him go this high, but uh, if I was in the draft with you, he would apparently. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's, it's the Henderson versus Bijan Robinson. I think in some drafts, Bijan could slip to five, and that's where you get the you get the two quarterbacks, Smith and Jigba and Henderson, and then Bijan at five. I it's I think it's kind of a personal preference. And like I said when I was talking about Bijan in the first pick, there was I think Smith and Jigba is the safest pick in Debbie drafts because he is exactly what you're looking for in a wide receiver. And he is very likely going to have a long Pro Bowl caliber career. And I can't say that about a lot of players. So, yeah, I mean, I'm passing on quarterback. I feel a little bit silly passing on a quarterback based on, like, the style of draft. But if I'm picking, honestly, like, I I think Smith and Jigba is more likely to hit in the NFL than Bryce Young. Hmm. And that's fair because quarterback's tough. Like, even even when we think yeah. they're slam dunks. Uh, they I mean, last us. year the debate was Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, or DJ Uangalale at 101. Yeah. How dumb do you feel with any of those picks right now? Yeah. And, and we just didn't have very much information on one of those players. We do have, I feel like, a little bit more information on Stroud and um, yeah. Young. but And they're in situations where it's it's going to be really hard for them to miss. But, yeah. So, right. I just gave uh, you a layup of a pick. Yeah. So, um, with the fifth pick, I am taking quarterback from the university of notre dame no just kidding yes oh, i'm gonna go with <laughs> i'm gonna go with alabama's bryce young heisman winner um the, the the concern is he's sub six foot sub 200 pounds yeah that makes me a little bit nervous um you look at if you look at the stat sheet i i think the, the rushing numbers might scare you a little bit i think he only ran for 81 yards last year 
Um, and in his freshman year, he had a negative 23. But if you watch him play, he is mobile. He can avoid um, he can avoid contact. He can get out, get out of sacks. He can run himself into a nice passing situations. Honestly, the dude reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson in that. Um, I like Bryce Young a lot. Uh, I, I know I spoke mainly of the negatives, but that's because you guys had already um, spoke so glowingly on it. But yeah, almost put up, um, almost put up five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns last year. Like the dude was nuts. Uh, so Bryce Young, this late, I mean, it's a it's an obvious pick. If Bryce Young gets like two hundred rushing yards this year, his profile is going to be insane, and that's kind of where my hope is. I hope that they use him as a Hey, run because you see seven yards to that to that sideline. Uh, hey, run because you see an open six yards and you might be able to get to the end zone. Like, I, I really hope they use Bryce Young a little bit in the running game this year. And if they do, his profile is just going to be so. It's going to be a Perfect. slam dunk. And that's where I mean, where he was a. I mean, I'm trying to. I was quickly going to trickle climb, try and pull it up, but. He did run in high school. Like, he wasn't yeah. a statue in high school. Yeah, and, and he, um, it's, it's more of like, he can. He just doesn't have to when you've got... He does. He chooses not to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think he will. I think both of these quarterbacks that we've already selected will fill out that aspect of their profile in a few games in which they probably have to uh, down the stretch, and they'll have a plus. They won't have a negative yard uh, you know, performance on the ground in their peak year, most likely. So... I think they're both going to smash this year. Both have some uh, added yards on the ground as well. So it'll be fun to watch and see how they both peak. But I'm going to move on to pick six because nobody's going to veto that one. Uh, and I'm going to go with a pick that might get veto, but I doubt it. Uh, and that is Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama uh, here. So if if you didn't pick him, I was going to veto it and say Jameer Gibbs's name for you. Okay. Well, thank you. Because uh, Jameer Gibbs... You know, averaging almost seven yards a touch at Georgia Tech. They have six wins in the last two years, uh, which is pathetic. Mm. A, a joke of a program. And yet, Jameer Gibbs uh, basically carried that offense from day one. Uh, stepped into the starting role almost uh, immediately and smashed for them. I had over 1,200 yards from scrimmage just a year ago. Has almost 60 receptions in two seasons. Was essentially the de facto wide receiver one or two. Two years in a row for Georgia Tech on top of being their best running back. Um, maybe there are questions about his size. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure exactly how much he weighs. I think he's probably in between 200 and 210 right now. Uh, but I think that's big enough and he's fast enough and he is maybe the best receiving back in all of football at this point, at this point. And so, and he's going to a program that all they do is send running backs to the pros. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's in a situation where, He's going to be, at worst, the 1A, if not the obvious anchor feature for one of the best programs in the nation, Jameer Gibbs, running back, transfer from Georgia Tech to Alabama. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's a slam dunk pick. That's exactly who I would be going with here as well. Um, Matt seems confused, though. Yeah. No, I, I'm trying to decide... Because I think I think vetoes are going to be sort of difficult to come by as we go through this draft. And I think you can make cases for other players in this spot. Um, but it's, again, I think it's sort of a... I think Gibbs is safer than the guy that I'm probably going to pick at the 107. But I think the 107 has a higher upside. Um, 
but the one of the so that's where it's I was deciding do I want to just veto for the sake of vetoing um Travis you can type him in you already know who it is um yep um it's it's sort of a different difference of opinion on this one for it and i think gibbs is very safe although i would will say that i was the i was very low on him going into last year because i didn't think that offense was going to be able to do much with him same and i do he's the person i've switched the most on i think i think the fact that his transfer to alabama and the fact that (laughs) he's probably i mean he's going in there and and pushed out a five-star running back he's going to jump a former five-star running back he's this it, it talks about a level of specialness to what he can bring to a program with his versatility. The fact that, and I'll just say the names like Trey Sanders is not going to ever be a thing. And it's in large part because Jameer Gibbs just took his lunch money. Um, Kamar Wheaton is, is now at SMU because Jameer Gibbs came in and said, all right, this is my running back room now. So I, I think that you're, you're talking about a, a very elite back. And it's the reason I say a lot, I, I'm like talk about him sadly is because Ohio State had a legit shot at him and backed off. And it made me sad to see him go to Georgia Tech because he could have been on the Buckeyes and part of just a super fun offense, but whatever. Um, all right, Stefan, do you have anything to add before I jump in with the 107 go for it, buddy. after my ranting? Yeah, 107, Caleb. 107 is Caleb Williams, quarterback out of USC. Uh, the reason why I think his he, he proved last year how amazing he is because after like four weeks of playing, people were legitimately trying to talk about him as a Heisman candidate, despite the fact that he was going to have like four or five less games than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. But his, his level of play was at such a high level and was on such a ridiculous pace that he was going to be really someone who you consider for the Heisman. And then it fell off as the year came on because freshmen eventually fall off. The reason there's some risk is because while he is staying with the same team or staying with the same coach, he's now going to a team that's kind of like not as good. Like USC is going to be good in like three in three years are probably going to be back to being the USC that people kind of think of, but their offensive line isn't what Oklahoma's is. Oklahoma was a Joe Moore award finalist every single year. Um, He had a whole lot of protection and they had 87 wide receivers that were going to go to the NFL. Now he's going to have some receiving talent. I don't know that he is a great, eh, I guess I'll say Travis Dye is a really good running back, but I don't think he's an, on a team that's like the very clear favorite to win his conference. So I, I'm going to take Caleb Williams. I think that we're talking about a guy who has the chance to be the number one overall pick in his, uh, in his draft class. He was the number one overall quarterback in his recruiting class. He's staying with a really, really good offensive minded coach. So I don't, it, it's, it seems like the easy pick of the spot. And since I haven't taken a quarterback yet, I feel like I have to make a case for a quarterback. So Caleb Williams. I'm not going to argue with you. What about you, Stefan? Well, you no. wrote it for me. <laughs> um, I I'm, I'm there. And honestly, like Lincoln Riley and he being in the PAC 12 makes things look a lot more difficult for my Oregon ducks. I know that much. Um, and so who's no, the running I, I back that I wouldn't say. What Travis died? I said, and who's their running back? Yeah, Travis died. I just wanted you to yeah. say a no, no, no. former Oregon running back. Yeah, no, I. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm ready to pick. I'm ready to pick, boys. Yeah. Sorry. For I'm real though, Caleb troll. Williams like already yeah. has a 90th percentile like season by any kind of pass efficiency mark and bonkers. 
athleticism and, and insane rushing. It's just, it's almost perfection already. Like it was a soft schedule, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, like, holy cow. Like we might be looking at this and thinking, why didn't we pick him over both Stroud and Young after this coming season? So if, if you like Malik Willis, this guy's better. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to be the first overall pick in his draft. Yeah. I was, I was going to select him with this pick if he was still on the board. So, um, but I have a feeling that one or both of you might veto this next pick. Um, but I am going with, um, your heart, not my heart. I went with your heart, Travis may I'm going (laughs) to select the former, the, the, the the former fourth overall running back in his class, uh, running back who just put up a beautiful thousand yard season on, uh, on a team that struggled, uh, especially down the stretch. I'm going with one tank Bigsby and I'm excited to bring him over to my squad. Um, think he's going to be dynamic at the next level. Um, he has, um, crescendoed above Matt's arbitrary one and a half receptions per game for running back. Um, tank Bigsby is right there. So, so he, he kind of fits the mold in that one. Um, all right. Which one of you is going to veto first? See, I'm going to veto. I'm, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> it's a wasted veto. Cause I know Travis is going to say tank Bigsby over this player. I love ceiling plays. You know, what's really fun. A player that's 17 years old, changes position mid season and becomes one of the most prolific players at his position in the country. It's Braylon Allen. The guy's ceiling is the sky. Like it, he's, he's insane. Um, I tank Bigsby's great. Tank Bigsby's probably going to be the third running back drafted in his class at best. He's maybe going to be, I mean, he could, he's the type of guy that could fall a little bit further. Although I do think he'll test really well, but Braylon Allen has really kind of an absurd ceiling. And yes, he's going to be the second running back at best in his class because Travion Henderson exists, but Braylon Allen, because I have to do it because we have these two vetoes and you, you can't keep them for next, next time. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Are you going to veto both of those for, for Xavier <laughs> you're worthy, Travis? I, I want to, <laughs> I do want to, I'm like, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. And, and this is why I think we're going to get some vetoes actually showing up because we do get more opinionated as we go along on, on the differences yeah. on how we rank some of these guys. Um, but so I, I am actually, okay. who are you? You can't, I'm going to, you know how much you defended tanks, big, I'm gonna tank say Bigsby. that Braylon Allen is the pick. Oh, wow. Yeah. So okay. Okay. I think, um, given what we just saw, uh, you know, and they said this a thousand times that given what we just saw that 17 year old running back to all season long, uh, I mean, the question is like that I, when I look at his profile, like has there ever been a more impressive young running back in the history of college football? And I, I don't think there has Maurice been. Claret, like more impressive than seven games in a row of over a hundred rushing yards as a true freshman at age seventeen. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that's ever done that at any school ever. And, and not even at Wisconsin when they've had running back after running back after running back who have just killed it at the college level and then gotten draft capital. And some of them haven't worked out at the, at the next level. But uh, the current best running back in the NFL, Jonathan Taylor, did. Yeah, and, and he didn't even do what Braylon Allen just did in his first season. 
so man, Braylon Allen is, is just breaking things. Like it, it's just absurd what he was able to do. Like we all wanted like Jalen Berger to be a thing. Nope. Ches Malusi, who had pedigree back in the day. Nope. You're going to be on the bench. In fairness, Bray- none of us wanted Malusi no, to be nobody a thing. Wanted, no, but uh, Braylon Allen just showed up. Hey guys, I'm a linebacker, but also I'm going to crush your face out of the backfield and put up, you know, almost 1300 rushing yards and essentially like nine games, like just absolutely bonkers numbers from a 17 year old kid uh, who already like last summer, I think was already squatting over six, 600 pounds. Uh, he's already like almost 240 pounds himself. Like it's just, I, if there was going to be a next like Derrick Henry and there never, there never will be another Derrick Henry, but if there was going to be a, a freak like that, uh, it would be somebody like Braylon Allen. So I'm going to go with Braylon Allen here. And so, right. yeah, now uh, you win. I, Congratulations. Um, I, I I do like having Tank Bigsby sooner than having to wait forever for Braylon Allen. Um, I, I think that's I think we I think we can overlook that too often. Um, I also want to say I was doing two Debbie drafts at the same time, and Braylon Allen got picked in one. And in my mind, he was picked in both, and so he just sat there forever. And then right after I picked in the second round, someone took him, and I was like mortified devastated i wanted to cry for a thousand years i'm done what were you gonna say man yeah buyers for morris immediately it's it yeah i was like thing. how did i not know he was available <sighs> well yeah i mean i i think i think tank bigsby is really good i'm not knocking him i feel like i just had to make a case against him for the no it's fair for braylon allen and braylon allen is it, to me is just kind of absurd i think i know travis's pick let's hear uh, yeah. it travis 109 uh, uh, it's obvious uh, because I'm actually going to go with Mr. Xavier Worthy uh, right oh, here. Oh, he picked with his heart. I, I did, uh, and my head, if I'm really thinking about it, because Xavier Worthy uh, just put up one of the best, if not the best, true freshman seasons uh, in terms of like, you know, schematically or, well, uh, volume adjusted production, like, in, like efficiency, any, any way you want to kind of slice it. He just put up one of the most impressive true freshman seasons ever like the dude had just shy of a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns which raw stats wise like you know that doesn't pop because he didn't get to like around 1000 but if you look at the the passing volume that he was uh dealing with and the the changing of quarterbacks that he was dealing with and uh, all the other variables that that go with texas's anemic offense in the second half that just disappear sometimes like he was the only thing that was working all season long. He accounted for almost 40% of the receiving yards, had almost three uh, like yards per team pass attempt, which is one of the, the most impactful, meaningful metrics out there. Um, and so if you look at his like pro- his balanced production profile, it's it's a metric I, I've created for Rotoviz. It's the adjusted production index. Like if, and compare him to every drafted NFL wide receiver back to like 2005, he would already, as an 18-year-old, have like an 80th percentile profile. Like it's just insane. Like that's, that's busted. Like no one does that. Like George Pickens, incredible season. Nope. Not even close. Rondell Moore's absurd season. Nope. Not even close because it wasn't efficient at all. Like it was, it was all underneath garbage. And so what, what, what Worthy was doing was just bonkers all season long, beating the best defensive backs vertically and over the middle and wherever he wanted to. And yes, he's a little bit underweight right now, he was listed, I believe, at 163 prior to his freshman year. Uh, but if he adds a little bit of weight, gets up over 170, like close to 180 by the time he's drafted, I'm not worried about it. And I think 
he's he's pretty much a lock for first round capital, given how teams value speed, given how teams value production uh, in the NFL. And they don't care if you're undersized anymore. Teams invest in guys who can create their own separation, can make easy throws for wide receivers. And there's, uh, you know, nobody with as good of an early career resume uh, really left at this point. There's one other guy who has injury concerns and has just had to have uh, his second surgery to fix an issue. Um, but I'm not going to go that direction. So I'm going to go with Xavier Worthy, wide receiver, Texas. Yeah, so, and I mean, if you want him to put on like 7 to 12 pounds – um, by his senior year, man, he can just hang out with me. I did that in the last two months. <laughs> I mean, he's I, he's also with a, a group. He's with a group of um, like coach. He's with a coaching staff that adding weight is not really going to be concerned for him. I, I have no no concern in my mind that he's going to be just fine weight wise. Um, I do have a question and it's this is half serious, half for our listeners. Um so yards per uh, yards per out run is a stat that is starting to become one of the more uh, utilized stats by the Devi community, and and I think that there's some question. It's hard to read because, like, to be honest, when you're here seeing yards per out run, you're talking about the differences like two versus three, and it doesn't feel like it's this massive gap. But I'm curious, what really is that? Is there like a threshold? Like, what is the is the cutoff for like elite versus really good or something like that? I think the best answer is that that actually uh, depends on the conference. It depends on, um, I guess, seriously, it varies. Like if you don't, even if you like compare and I won't, I won't really get into, in, into the, the tiers for each conference is I don't, because I don't have, I would probably say the wrong cutoffs. I, I, the Mac is the lowest for what it's worth. Yeah. But it's, um, it really differs like from the sec to the big 10, to the big 12, to the pac 12. Like there's, there's major differences, even like like the Big Ten West versus like the Big Ten East. Like there's the significant differences in terms of like efficiency metrics, like yards per route run specifically, but yards per team pass attempt I've found to be a little bit more stable in terms of statistical testing. And so I use that instead of uh, the yards per route run because uh, a lot of I said the wrong one. I'm definitely meant yards per. No, that's okay. But as it, as for run. NFL purposes, like that's super sticky year over year in terms of like predicting, um, you know, stable production production for wide receivers. Um, I haven't found that to be true as much with with college, just because the personnel differences are so steep every single year with these teams. It's it's hard to have um, a super uh, steady mark there. Um, but yeah, that, that's a great question because uh, yards per team pass attempt is definitely a little bit more stable. And so it has a, a better base like signal in terms of um, what it provides and to, in, in terms of like predicting NFL outcomes um, and Xavier worthy is already like where he needs to be. Like he needs to be like average for yards per team pass attempt is 2.5 ish for like drafted wide receivers. Um, but good uh, players that we like to predict uh, are going to hit in the NFL, get somewhere near like three or even higher. And Xavier Worthy was like around 2.9 yards per team pass attempt as a true freshman. Uh, and so that's in- incredible. Even if he just did, it peaked right there and never got any better by that metric, that would be fine. And so uh, I, I don't really have any issues with him. Yards per route run uh, is a little bit different just because of uh, – 
that that's more scheme dependent, like how much they're integrating play action and and, and things like that. Uh, that can really dampen the actual signal, uh, you know, scheme to scheme a little bit more. I feel like. All right. I appreciate that. I was just curious, like on that front of the 2.5 is a good number to keep in mind. And then pushing three, when you're talking about that, that elite tier of, of wide receivers, really what you're starting to look at. Um, All right. I've gone back and forth on this pick, but I'm going to take the guy that's throwing Xavier worthy, the ball at the one, one ten. He was a perfect prospect. And when I say that, I don't mean that like in some stupid, oh man, I watched his film and he did nothing wrong. He does stuff wrong, but he had a perfect 1.0 uh, score on uh, the 24-7 composite. And it's because each one of the three sites universally agreed that the number one player in the class of 2022 was Quinn Ewers. And then he reclassified and joined Ohio State in August and thought he was going to get meaningful reps after joining the team in August. Um, he got two snaps at Ohio state. Uh, he handed the ball off twice to walk on running back Xavier Johnson. I know these feel like I'm just like throwing out really useless things, but they really just like stick in my head that the perfect prospect, uh, came to Ohio state said he was going to start his entire career there and handed off twice to a walk on. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Um, so Quinn Ewers, he made the decision this offseason uh, to transfer to Texas. I can't blame him. He's going to become the immediate starter. Uh, to be honest, if I were betting the Heisman tomorrow, he's probably the guy I'm going to go lay a little bit of money on. Um, I think he has the opportunity for an offense that's going to be um, pretty dynamic. They've got a really, obviously they have a really elite wide receiver. They've got a lot of talent. They've started beefing up their uh, their line. It might be an off a team that has to win a few track meets, which will will boost his um, will boost his numbers at the end of the year. So he, he'll he have an opportunity. I actually think if I could just bet will be a finalist, uh, will get a New York invite, I would say Quinn Ewers is damn near a lock um, just because he's going to have a lot of buzz around him, assuming he doesn't get hurt. So I think the juice is minus 200 on that, though. I don't care. Just saying. Don't just care. Saying. Um, so Quinn Ewers is, uh, is my pick here and it's, it's purely a ceiling and super flex format decision. I, I would say of the, he's the one guy that'll challenge Caleb Williams for that top spot. And it's, if he actually comes in and looks amazing for two straight years, everyone will go back to, well, this was the guy we dubbed as the next Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, I, I, I think it's about that time for me to start uh, doing silly stuff. Okay. Well, I'm going to veto and say that it should be Keishon Boutte instead of Quinn Ewers, even though I just expressed my concern about the... Uh, the foot injury does scare me yeah, a little bit. That's that's the only reason. It seems as though he's going to be in full recovery and be fine, but if that impacts his production at all, I think that could impact his capital next year a little bit. Um, so we'll see what how that plays out. Hopefully he recovers completely fine. And uh, is actually, you know, the wide receiver one that we all want him to be behind Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, because, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with you right now. But <laughs> but yeah, Keishon Boutte, uh definitely still in the mix for wide receiver one overall next year. Uh, so I think a player that we've already seen kill it in college versus Quinn Ewers, who we think will kill it in college. Um I just feel like it's a little bit safer. If I'm like in the first round, I want to, I want a little bit 
more safety in terms of projection than a guy like uh, Quinn Ewers. What do you think, Stefan? Because it's up to you. Yeah, I don't know. I was just going to say maybe spend a few more minutes talking about Keishon Boutte since this is the pick and we won't be able to talk about him again later because... Um, <laughs> I win. I mean, so Keishon Boutte, his, I, this was the guy, I, I mean, for me, it came down to Boutte or Quinn Ewers, and I went with... I, I'm I'm doing this slightly because of the fact that I think it's super flex and you have to take some risks. Yeah. But he had a receiver dominator during his freshman year of uh, 0.25. Um, including 25% of yards, which I, I do think yards is a little bit more critical than touchdowns, if only because yards tend to be a little bit stickier. Um, he had 20 in his six games last year, he had 29% of the receiving yards, um, 53% of receiving touchdowns. So he only played six games last year. He had nine touchdowns, which is sort of silly. Um, I, I just think you're he isn't he he does appear to be an elite prospect and there was a legitimate case for him over Smith and Jigba last year because he was a true starter for his team and probably the one on his team versus Smith and Jigba was the four um, or the three whatever that was on Ohio State's offense in 2020. Um, so Keishon Butte is great. I I I do think that's pro it's the right pick, but. I think there are going to be a lot of drafts where people do pull the trigger on a guy that we all coming out of high school said, well, this is the obvious pick. He broke drafts last year. Like he broke Devi and he broke C to C last year because you, <laughs> a lot of leagues you were in, you had to make a Quinn Ewers rule. No one can pick him up. Yeah, no one can draft. Everyone him had because, already drafted and you can't just like add him off waivers like that. That would be so dumb. Right. So, so uh, like that's that's the type of prospect we were talking about because he would have been in C to C leagues last year. He probably would have been near a first round pick, if not a first round pick. And in Debbie leagues, he almost definitely would have been a first round pick. Yeah. So I felt like at the one ten, it was the right spot. But to be honest, I don't disagree with your veto. I I once he said it, once he said the word veto, I I wrote knew in it was how coming. it was going to go. You, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I was yeah. watching. I was like, yes, you know where this is going, and you know you've already lost. But <laughs> but seriously, because Keishon, we were robbed of like an amazing season. Like he uh, through like his six games, he was already on pace for like nearly half of the receiving offense uh, for LSU. It was like 48 percent dominator through that first six games. So if you actually count that as like a full season, even though it's you know half. Um, like it, his profile is absurd. Like if you count that as a full season, he's already almost got a 90th percentile production profile. So, uh, he was, yeah, he was killing it in that uh, smaller sample before he went down. I can't wait till he's catching passes from Jaden Daniels this year. I was just, I'm going to be just so about, hyped. So I was just hyped about to that. say we've, we've seen a lot of, uh, quarterback wide receiver tandems get, get drafted in this Debbie league and, and I'm on the clock. So with not one eleven. You're taking. I know. I'm taking Tank Bigsby. Uh, all the reasons I said earlier. Yeah, I mean that that would be weird if you didn't now, like having taken him three picks yeah. earlier. <laughs> I, I almost said that to you when you were like, I really, I just like the idea of having Tank Bigsby a couple of picks a couple of years earlier. What I was like laughing at as I was thinking, I'm like, you're gonna have another chance to pick him. He's yeah. not getting picked between your two picks. So, um, I, I like the I, obviously I like the pick at 111. I'm not going to veto here. Um, good player. I'm glad. I actually am really glad he went back to Auburn. Yeah, because he's going to be fed like crazy. I mean, he had what 250 ish touches last year, and they're going to have to lean even harder in on him this year, probably. So, 
he's going to see a lot of workload. Like it's, it wasn't that I didn't like tank. We didn't even really talk about him earlier, but I mean, he, he was like my running back one, I think coming into his, he was your running back one at a high school. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, wait, was that a question? No, he was. Yeah, he I was. was, he was. I mean, seriously, because like was. he does everything incredibly well. He's got almost feature back kind of size and he plays like, like a madman. Like he's really strong, has great vision, has all the, the film traits that people are going to love. He catches pass as well. Um, and he's going to be leaned in on uh, this year even further. So I think he could be a top three back in next year's NFL draft. And so given that, yeah, this is, this is the pick. So I'm not going to try to veto again. Um, but I feel like my, my next pick here, I'd pick 12 to round up round one and at the end of round one and every single format, it's like, eh, is this guy really a first round pick? Am I really t- taking this player at, th- at this slot? Uh, I think, and that's why I, one of you guys might veto him right now, but I am actually going to go with Jordan Addison, Bletnikoff winner, uh, out of Pittsburgh, uh, the best wide receiver in the nation, according to those that write <laughs> on football. And so, uh, 36% dominator last year, almost three yards per team pass attempt, uh, just a, a monster in terms of consistent week to week to production. Like it was, I, I can't remember how many weeks in a row he had at least eight targets, <laughs> but it was like, it was like he had at least eight. I feel like it was at least six or seven weeks in a row last year. And yes, he's a little bit undersized again. Uh, not even 180 pounds. And yes, he was that athlete designation coming into uh, college. And that's how he kind of slipped under the radar because he was a four-star wide receiver, but he was also like this defensive back slash wide receiver. We didn't know which direction he was going to go more than half the time. Uh, if you have an athlete designation, you end up as a defensive back. So uh, there were a lot of people thinking he's going to go defensive back. So they didn't even rank him as a wide receiver, but my goodness, uh, over 1600 receiving yards last year and 17 touchdowns that raw production that those sports writers are addicted to got him that award because he's not the best wide receiver wasn't he the best wide receiver in the nation but he he wouldn't have been a top three wide receiver on ohio state yeah that's actually probably true he would have been he would have been their their fourth best wide receiver but that's actually impressive like because because so would have (laughs) so would have jameson williams jameson williams i mean seriously so jordan addison uh (laughs) This seems like the right spot for him. I think he is mostly going to be used out of the slot in the pros, but I think he can and has been uh, demonstrating already that he can play anywhere that you want him to. He reminds me in that regard of Garrett Wilson and his deployment at Ohio State because, uh, yes, he'd be maybe a better fit in the, in the pros as a slot, but he can be all over the field and succeed as a deep threat, succeed as an underneath rack guy. So, yeah, Jordan Addison right here. Yeah, that that sounds good. I'm not going to veto it. I don't know if you want to, Matt. There's only really uh, there's a case to veto for another position, but I I'm going to leave it because I I think Addison's a great pick. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, run run through the first round, then jump through the break. Jump through the break. No, that's not an expression. Let's go uh, to the break and hear from our lovely sponsors. <laughs> At the 101, we had Bijan Robinson running back Texas, and then Trevion Henderson running back Ohio State. Travis took the first quarterback off the board with CJ Stroud from the Ohio State, followed by Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver. Um, then we had two Alabama guys go. We had Bryce Young, followed by Jameer Gibbs. Then Caleb Williams, Braylon Allen, uh, originally a Tank Bigsby pick, which was vetoed. 
Um, then Xavier Worthy, Kayshawn Boutte, then Tank Tank Bigsby, who was the vetoed player from earlier, and then Jordan Addison finished out the first round. We're going to hit the commercial. We'll be back in one minute. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys a little bit about Underdog Fantasy. It is one of the many apps I use for some wagering. And what I like about fan, Underdog Fantasy is it's so different than the other ones. The other ones are all pretty much the same, where you're picking spreads, you're doing the total, maybe you're doing a couple of player props. But one of the things I love about Underdog is their new pick'em game, which is super fun to play, and you can do it for just about any sport. And you just pick your favorite over and unders on, on player totals, whether it's shots or goals or whatever it might be. And you have the opportunity to 20 times your money in a single night. I usually keep it a little bit simpler. I grab like my three, two or three favorite players just to get uh, maybe a three times or five times multiplier on my buy-in. And you get to sit back, watch the games, root for whatever it is you bet on, and then see that money uh, hit your account. I love underdog fantasy it is super easy to use just visit underdogfantasy.com or go to the app store google play store wherever it is you use sign up with the code rotoviz and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars that's underdog fantasy promo code rotoviz check it out it's super fun i think you'll love it and it gives you a nice opportunity to do some wagering in just a bit of a different way 
So enjoy that. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code ROTOVIZ. All right, we're back for the second round. We're going to do lightning style here because we're already uh, burning the midnight oil for for Matt. It's like almost, I mean, it's 8.15. He's, he's holding his eyelids open over there. Uh, kick us off in round two, Matt. Uh, I, I took him at the 110. Um, I'm back on it. It's Quinn Ewers. All the reasons I said before, he's the one guy that could challenge Caleb Williams for the being the top QB in his class. Don't veto it just because you want to veto. I'm not doing it. No, I'm not going to veto it. I'm not going to veto. Yeah. Uh, he's He wouldn't be my pick, but I'm not going to veto right here. I, I think that there's an argument to be made uh, that anybody that you would put in here wouldn't be uh, a very safe pick either. Like once you get outside of like round one, it's crazy. Like most years, it's not very safe. But this year especially, it feels like outside of like round one, it it, it gets dicier, like faster than I'm typically used to. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that, that might set up my next pick a little bit, but yeah, I think we can move on. Lightning round. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Lightning round 202. This one might raise some eyebrows, but uh, like you said, it's hard to find difference makers sometimes this late of uh, people that can be surefire. I am going with a tight end. This is a tight end premium. I'm going with Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. We have talked about how he has crushed and dominated. Um, he had 71 receptions for 840 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Um, he'll be eligible to come out after this upcoming season. So I'm excited to get him on my team um, unless someone vetoes. I'm not going to veto that. No, this was, no this way. was who I was going to, this is who I was going to put up against Jordan Addison. If I thought of, if I did it. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Michael Mayer, like having over 40 receptions as a true freshman and then like 70 right. plus as a sophomore and, and uh, Notre Dame is actually kind of in that conversation for tight end U like, over the years as well. So like, it, they they send players to the pros. All right? I like this pick. And I think that there would be an argument to be made that he deserves to be around one player, which is crazy for, for tight ends. But um, he's going to be an early first-round pick, I think, in the real draft next year. So definitely uh, loving that pick right there. But I think I'm actually going to – you know, I'm actually going to stay at the position. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just because Ooh. he's not gonna make it to my next pick. And if I was right here and Ooh. Michael Mayer went, I would probably go with Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia. It's been like five years since uh, a tight end in the Power Five has actually had as many receiving yards as Brock Bowers just had this past year. I believe it's been like twenty. I, think, I guess it was. What year was that? Mark Andrews, like his peak season. Like that was the last time. Uh, that we saw a power five tight end have like 882 or more receiving yards. And by the way, Mark Andrews uh, kind of killing it in the pros <laughs> right now uh, in, in not the tight end one, but in, in certainly the top three or four tight end in the NFL right now. And Brock Bowers did it as a true freaking freshman. And yes, he had a um, lower pedigree quarterback who likes to rely on that seam shot and underneath uh, a little bit more so than, uh, some other players you that Georgia could have gone with. National championship winner Stetson Bennett. You yes, I am. I'm talking about national championship. You watch your mouth. Yeah, he, he's a good quarterback. He was efficient, but he also really relied on <laughs> on Brock Bowers uh, to kind of carry him at times. Brock Bowers just flattening defenders left and right. And uh, I know it's a couple years out, but he's as safe as it gets at the tight end position. There's nobody in his class that's going to even come close to him uh, in the 2024 NFL draft. So Brock Bowers, tight end Georgia. Yeah, there's there's a wide receiver that we're going to take later in this draft that he outperformed. And that should tell you 
how uh, how impressive he was. Uh, I'm going to go with the safest wide receiver left on the board. Uh, he had a breakout season last year. He's going to have a, a very big season this year. Uh, and that's Josh Downs, uh, wide receiver out of North Carolina. I, I'll be honest. I have him above Jordan Addison. Um, he's pushing against Keishon Boutte right now for me. He's wow. he's a really he's a really good prospect. Um, to be honest, if his team didn't have two pros on it the year before, two guys I should say two guys who were drafted because one of them's not really a pro. Um, he would have he would have been really really impressive the year before. So that I think Josh Downs is going to be. I think this is going to be a year where kind of everyone comes around on. Yeah, Josh Downs is awesome. So you get him the, after this season, and he's already got a really nice breakout year. So give me that. All right. I've got a controversial pick here. Um, well, maybe not. Muhammad Ibrahim at this point. Yes. At 205, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Zachary Evans, former second, like he was the second highest recruit uh, running back in his class. Um, as we know, he just moved over to Ole Miss, which has lost a ton of production from that position. I think Zach Evans has the opportunity to really explode this year. Um, and I, I think he could really see a huge boost. Uh, so I'm going to go with him here. I think he has an enormous upside. Now, I will say uh, the floor is 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 real low, too. <laughs> he, he, he could not be playing football this time next year. Um, but I love this guy, and I would love to see him succeed. And let's go. Not going to veto that because, uh, yeah, these first 17 picks are not in the same order, but they are my top 17 Debbie prospects. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're not always on the same page, but uh, these top 17, like immediately after this point, it becomes uh, less safe. Like, I think it, from every single position group, I have more questions. Like, I, I'm considering freshmen at this point. Like, this is the, the, the part, mm. part, of, part of drafts every year where there's at least one freshman really kind of creeps in this conversation. I'm not going to pull the trigger right here, but this is where I'm thinking, man, do I really want this player or do I want to take a, a shot at the upside of a player coming in that I think could have a higher ceiling? But I think the ceiling is just about through the roof for this wide receiver that I'm going to take here, and that is Mr. Ja'Cory Brooks, wide receiver, Alabama. Uh, and By the way, he didn't give me a chance to veto, but I wasn't going to. <laughs> You weren't going to veto? Oh, you like with Zach Evans? I was. Con- I actually was considering vetoing Evans for what it's worth. But well, well, hey, here's your shot it. to uh, j- you know veto Jacory Brooks here if you want. Yeah, screw it, veto. Um, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I think Jacory Brooks made an impression at the end of last year, and I think that is kind of what people who are high on Jacory Brooks are going to really see is that. Hey, look, he was kind of the go-to guy in the big moments. And then he didn't really do a whole lot in the national chain, or I should say he didn't have the monster game that I was fully expecting in the national championship game without Mechie being there. So I am going to veto it and I'm going to take a running back. I'm going to take a running back from Clemson named Will Shipley, who Mm. had a pretty dynamic freshman season, uh, was one of the top all-purpose backs coming out of his class. Pretty dynamic. He's white, so he's going to get compared to Christian McCaffrey. So he's going to have stupid value when he comes out as a uh, rookie. So yeah, I'm going to. No, that's not actually a reason, but it, it is a thing that legitimately is already happening. So Will Shipley, instead of 
Ja'Cory Brooks. Real quick, though. You know, I didn't really say anything about Ja'Cory. Like, the dude, since eighth grade, like, he's already been, like, he was, like, they, they, he was getting offers back then because it was like, oh, okay, this kid's an NFL player. And he was a star on the seven-on-seven seven on seven circuit, uh, went to one of the, I guess, the best program, high school program in the nation, and was really solid there. Um, at every single level, he was playing against the top competition in the country and made them look like children. Uh, and they were children because it was in high school. But, I mean, he made them look silly throughout the entire process. He kind of had a, uh, an abridged final season. Uh, because of how IMG does their scheduling due to COVID, like they they play nationally, like they're all over the place. And due to COVID, their schedule got chopped up. Some teams couldn't play with them. They only had like five games or whatever. So he had a shorter final season, very limited action. Comes in, uh, misses some time in spring. Okay, he's there, he, we're gonna have to wait a second on Shakori Brooks because he's missing time with the scheme. He didn't have a, a great final season, a senior year, but he's been this five star freak wide receiver for years that we know is going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, essentially, if, unless he just does something stupid. And then he goes to Alabama, and he doesn't do a whole lot until he gets up to speed around midseason uh, and then catches the most important play of Alabama's entire year, which was the, the game-clinching touchdown against Auburn. And then he catches a touchdown against Cincinnati in the playoff. And then he catches – actually, it wasn't a great game, but he had six catches in the national championship against Georgia – and so we're, we're looking at a guy who had five-star pedigree since like eighth grade. Uh, and he's, he's now clearly the incumbent, like in all the camp talks, like he's actually um, missing a little bit of time right now, but like, it's like it, he, it's him. And then Jer Jermaine Burton, who we'll, you know, we'll get to here shortly, probably, but uh, like, he's the one stepping up in the stead of Ja'Cory Brooks, but Brooks is the guy. I think. And I think this year takes on a bunch of volume, I think alongside Burton, but becomes the wide receiver one for Alabama, which is automatic draft capital city. Uh, and so that's, that's my, that's my bid. That's my argument for G Corey Brooks. This is actually really tough for me. Um, when you vetoed Matt, I didn't know who you were going to say, and I didn't think that I would be uh, in a difficult position, but then you brought up Shipley and I was like, Ooh, actually that's an interesting choice. Um, however, I, I think Ja'Cory Brooks is has a safer route and has more upside um than Will Shipley. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Ja'Cory Brooks here, but it was pretty close. Um I just think, man, all all the all the talent leaving that wide receiver room, the great John Mechie, um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks is gonna have a lot <laughs> a lot to a lot to you. work with there. Um well I guess we know so your yeah, next so pick. 207, Matt. 207, yeah, so I, 207 will shipley i i think he if if clemson can get their offense figured out this year they're a legitimate national championship contender to be honest if they get their offense figured out it's going to focus around this player right here will shipley um and not trying to force feed it to the same wide receiver that they've been throwing to for the past three years so um yeah well it's it feels like an easy pick here for me i think he's special um, so you can already write the veto in, because uh, I know what's happening here. Um, it's and, 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 and and maybe and maybe I'm crazy, but I am not done believing in DJ Uyunglele. I still think he could be absolutely dynamic um, this year and set himself up nicely for the pros. Uh, we we mentioned earlier that this time last year he was like 
QB1, QB2, uh, going number one or two overall. Uh, I still like him. Veto away. I mean, it has to be Travis. Um, wait, why? Oh, wait, are you out of veto? Because I don't have any left. And okay, I, I don't want to veto second, myself. Uh, this is my second veto, then, I'll, I guess. I can veto myself. <laughs> and uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to go just because I want to see Matt squirm. I'm going to go uh, with Tyler Buckner, quarterback hate Notre you Dame. so much. <laughs> in lieu of uh, DJ Uyunglele. And some listeners might think that I'm insane for uh, even suggesting that Tyler Buckner should be in this conversation. But he was somebody that... Um, he had a, a weird route uh, to uh, stardom coming out of high school because he missed an entire year uh, after he was trying to transfer. Uh, but in his peak season, uh, he had an absurd amount of rushing yards. Like he had like over 50 passing touchdowns uh, and he had like 1600 or something crazy rushing yards. Like he was the most mobile, the, the best, most accurate on the move kind of quarterback who could throw off off platform could could reset his platform and chuck it at 60 yards i mean he was a five-star type player coming out of his junior year and then he missed his senior year had a year off and then of course the recruiting services um and as this was of course due to just COVID and him, him going to notre dame early uh, the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 